Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Sports Brothers Atlanta. We're so happy to have you here on this Thursday morning. Wild week in the world that we live in right now, but we're here to we're here to take your mind off some of that, talk some sports. So I'm I'm Matt, obviously. I'm here alongside my partner Ro. Ro, how we doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing real good. Yeah, that's uh crazy stuff around here, but there's even crazier stuff going on in the sports world, believe it or not. Um Let's talk about the Falcons finally putting one together and winning a football game last Thursday. It's been a minute since we've uh, since we've talked about them in a positive manner, I guess. But um, they got it done on a pretty damp and windy night after that hurricane went through North Carolina. But found a way to get it done, and uh, it, it was nice to see. Yeah, they're two. They're two and one under under Raheem Morris, <clears throat> which I really thought they should have been three and zero oh under Raheem Morris right now. But they had a blunder um, last Sunday. So, um, so, hey, but then they came back on Thursday night and pulled it off. So, hey, yeah. has to go yeah. off to them for that. So now they're two and one. So I think that's good. Yeah, it's uh, that it's definitely should be three and L. Um, and we've talked about this before, guys. You know, what are the what are the hopes of making the playoffs? It's not much of anything, to be completely honest. But the way that we both like to see it is that it's not over until you're out of your division and we still have a lot of division games to be played. Um, we have four, two with the saints and, and two with the bucks. So um, it's, we're not completely out of it. Um, and it's just nice to see your team win. Nobody, I mean, I'm not here to watch teams tank. Um, and I know those players aren't out on the field to watch, um, to watch themselves lose on purpose. And Raheem Morris is auditioning for head coaching jobs, you know, so everybody's going out there and they're going to play to their best efforts. So, um, yep, like you said, should be three and zero, but um, but two and one under Raheem Morris is uh, it's it was it's nice to see a little change of direction. I think the tempo on the field, the attitude on the field, is a little bit better than it was under Dan Quinn. What do you think as far as that? I think so. I, I like I like uh, Raheem what he's doing as head coach, even though he's got the I see that he's got the respect and the attention of the players. Um, better than Dan Quinn did for Dan Quinn. I thought he lost the team last year at the beginning. I thought he started losing the team a lot and I thought they was pulling away from him. That's why I was calling for him to be fired last year. And his record showed it too. The team was just was, they were terrible defensively, offensively. They were just in a funk and they never came out of it. And this year, I guess Arthur Blanks gave him another chance. Dan Quinn at the beginning of the season, he just never really still came out that funk, uh, you know, and, you know, but I think, Raheem uh, Morris has breathed new life into him. I think the guys respect him, and it looked like they all on the same page now. Uh, it may be a little too late uh, because you look at their division right now: uh, Tampa Bay six and two, and the Saints are five and two. And uh, so it's going to be kind of hard. You still got to play them guys, and even though you can catch up to Carolina Panthers, they three and five, and we're two and six. So uh, if we would have won that game uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, I think we would have been against Detroit. We would have been uh, three and five with the Carolina Panthers. So we wouldn't have that much ground to catch up. So, but we still got a long way to go. So, hey, we'll see. Yeah. And uh, it would have been nice there on Monday night. You know, the Buccaneers played the Giants. And I thought that the Giants might be able to try to squeak one away from Tampa Bay, which would have been a huge break for the Falcons um, and their slim, slim hopes that they have. But, uh, Tampa Bay prevailed on a, on a two-point conversion, so um, that was tough. But let's talk about um, something else that's been trending all over um, the Falcons' Twitter this week and the Falcons' world, I guess you should say. 
Um, Tack McKinley, um, he was a first round draft pick in 2017. Um, yeah. He has come out and said that, or he has come out and stated um, that he has been requested to be traded for quite some time now. Um, and he is on Twitter saying that they have declined a handful of offers. And they said when he got, when he requested to get traded last year, they turned, they turned down a second round draft pick. Um, and then they said that he also said that they turned down a fifth and sixth round draft pick um, from multiple teams when I requested to get traded this year. And then he went on to comment at the end of his Twitter and said, I only have 17 and a half career sacks with three clown faces next to it. Um, so yeah, he, he called them clowns. He called them clowns to be exact. So, yeah. Yeah, he called them clowns. Um, it's it's a little early in the morning for me to get extremely fired up about this. If I think if we did this at around in the afternoon, I would be. But, um, I mean, wh- what do you take from this? Because – if there's anybody that's a clown on this football team, it's Tack McKinley. It's not. It's not the Falcons. Well, he's taking this to the media and to social media as well. I don't. I don't like it because it's it's divisive for one thing, and it just shows there. There's no continuity in the locker room, and it seems like he don't want to be a part of uh, what Raheem Morris is starting to build. Um, so he's asking to be traded. I, I think he should have kept that in house. Uh, with the owners and the GMs, I really think, think he should have took it to the media and then to call them clowns on top of that, that just make it look really bad. So um, maybe they should have went on and pushed him out of there. I'm sure they knew about this before he took it to the media and to social media, uh, but I don't like it. I, I think it's just very divisive uh, and it's take to step the team and the other players in, in the locker room two steps back because if I see this in the media, if I'm one of his teammates, I don't like it. I think I would have went up to him to LA, man, you should have kept that in-house, dude. I know how you feel. You know, we already know how you feel. You told us, but to take it to the media, that just make it look bad for it. look like we ain't playing together. You know, we're not together. It ain't no unity. And we got a new coach, and he breathed new life in the team so far at two and one. Why would you want to go to the media with this now? Yeah. I mean, also, the the, seven, the 17 and a half career sacks um, – <laughs> this is your, let's see, 27, 2018, 2019, 2020. So this is the fourth season that you would play. Um, yes. With 17 and a half career sacks, there's either two things going on. Either yeah. you're not getting a lot of sacks in the games that you're playing, right? And, I mean, if you really average it out, that's not that many. But that means that if he's boasting about it, that means that it's a pretty good number for the, t- for the amount of games that he's been playing. Well, that raises a lot of questions to other people. Because Tack is never on the damn football field. Well, well, well look, 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 look at this, Matt. He struggled all last year to get to the quarterback. And even in recent years, yeah. But he, he only had 4.5 sacks last year in 2019, dude. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. Really? He only had 4.5 sacks last year. He's been struggling. So, I mean, and a record shows that he – come on, man. He ain't burning up the uh, field. Yeah. <laughs> so, this man. Is, uh... This is this is Vic Beasley 2.0 if I've ever seen it. Yeah, and for, those, for those that didn't see that, Vic Beasley got cut, so we actually lost our compensation pick um, yeah. in the draft, yeah. which is not good. Um, right. So, I mean, all of this is all of this is circling it back back around to um, a front office issue, and that would uh, that would be Thomas Dimitrov, who was fired earlier this year. Um, you look back, and these are the guys that he drafted. Yep, um, it is. You could, you can put blame on the players. Um, 
because of what they're doing and their performance and their off-field performance uh, as far as the tour world. But, um, guys, Thomas Dimitrov, you know, he, he drafted all these guys. Um, so I, I would be, I'm more upset at Dimitrov than I am at McKinley. I am too, but McKinley won't be there next year. <laughs> no. I mean, he's going to be gone, but. Yeah, he'd be this gone. Is, this is two first round draft picks that are, that played the same position that we've had the same issue with. And so um, that's why to me, I don't, I don't think Dimitrov will ever get another GM job. All you got to do is yeah. look at his draft record. It's bad. Yeah, you're right. It, it is bad, but we can't go backwards. Look at backwards, Mac. We can't go backwards. Uh, let's look at the future. Uh, this summer, we'll have a new GM. We'll have a new head coach, whoever they may be. It may be Raheem, and it may be somebody else. But honestly, if it was me, I'd go with it. I don't know about keeping Raheem Morris on his head coach, but uh, because he's got to be able to, I know he's displeased with McKinley and what he said, but he's got to be able to control the locker room a lot better from them things happening, you know. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how things go. But in the draft coming up, when the draft's coming up after this season up, uh, the Falcons are going to be looking at this very, very closely. I'm sure they have a new GM before the draft anyway, but oh, they're yeah. going to be looking at they're going to be looking at replacing these guys that Thomas Dimitrov had put in, you know, that he drafted. They're going to replace a lot of these guys and make better better choice selections, I believe, in the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, looking forward to um, this Sunday's game where the Falcons will be taking on the Broncos. They've had a lot of days to rest. Um, some people like to call it a mini bye week because you get Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you get the full week again in preparation. Um, that game will be at home. Um, Ro, tell me your first thoughts about the Broncos. Um, what do you What do you see with them? What What do you think that the Falcons can expect? Easy win. <laughs> I mean, realistically, that's what I'm looking. At, easy win. I, uh, the Broncos really not burning up the field either this year, man. So. You know, uh, I, when I looked at that, and they're three and four, the Broncos three and four, I really looked at that. I said, oh, okay, this is a game we can win. This should be a no-brainer. With our offense, if Jones is semi-healthy, you know, he's having hip problems this year. If everybody ain't been paying attention. So, you know, he, uh, last week game, I watched him come in and out a lot. But, uh, you know, hey, he's still been productive, though, even though he's having a hip problem. But I don't see them having no problems with them. Um I just don't see anything positive about, about the Broncos this year to me. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, they got, they've got a pretty, um, they've got a pretty interesting situation. Um, they've got a lot of, they've got a lot of young guys. Um, of course, um, on the defensive end, you've got Bradley Chubb, who's a local um, Powder Springs boy that is uh, first round draft pick for the Denver Broncos that he is, uh, he's been playing really well this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that defense. I mean, that defense is is not bad. Um, no. I think the issues is coming from the offensive side of the ball with Denver with Drew Locke, um, and he's got a couple weapons out there. He's got Jared Judy that they drafted. Um, they've got Melvin Gordon. How healthy is he? Um, he was sick. He had DUI incident, um, and then their backup Philip Lindsay uh, had a concussion a couple weeks ago, so he's been kind of on and off the field. Um, so. They're struggling a little bit on offense, which the Falcons, you know, it's pretty much the only thing holding them together right now. Um, the defense has looked better, but um, for a game like this, 
with an offense that struggles, um, we need to go out there and we need to score a lot of points and put that pressure on the Denver offense to kind of to kind of figure it out. I guess the reason why Denver don't impress me because I don't like their head coach. I don't think he's very good. I don't think Vic's very good. I, I don't really like him that much. Um, and I don't think he's going to be getting them to a Super Bowl no time soon. I think they made yeah. a poor choice in a, a new head coach, the coach they got. So that's my thing. Maybe they I, they see something that I don't see. But, no, I don't see the Peyton Manning or the Elway days coming back going to the Super Bowl with him as head coach. I just don't see it. Yeah. I they agree got, with that as well. They got a lot of young players. That's cool. But sooner or later, they're going to have to move on to him if they want to go in a next step further. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. And uh, I saw something a little bit, too, that Denver might be dealing with a little bit of the COVID issue as well in the facility. So we'll have to keep our eye on that um, as far as what's going to happen there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, should be a, it should be a pretty – Standard game for the Falcons. It should be a winnable game. Um, you got it. You're back at home. Um, yep. So, you know, hopefully they can get that done and just you keep moving along because the Falcons are going to – I mean, they're going to win some games this year. Um, but, they don't have, you know, if they, if they could really get on a roll, it would be good for this team. Matt, they don't have no pressure on them right now. You got an right. interim coach. He don't have no pressure on him. You know, even though he's auditioning for other teams, Raheem's not – he don't have no pressure on them. The players don't have no pressure on them. You know, they got rid of the main people who they wanted to get rid of, off the Blanks did. I mean, you know, he's going to make a couple of player changes in offseason, but they ain't not going to get rid of the whole team or nothing and blow the team up. Right. Those guys really ain't know at the bottom of the division, so only place to look is up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two and six. I mean, ain't no pressure on them. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no pressure on them to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So they should be playing lights out football right now. So oh, I, I agree. You know. So if they if they lose to the Broncos, I'm just gonna shake my head I'm like, man, another missed opportunity, <laughs> really. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, just just looking at, and then we'll move on to something real quick. But just looking at the remainder of the Falcons' schedule, yeah. Um, you've got obviously we talked about the Broncos. You got a bye week before the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the Raiders. You get the Saints again. That's you've right. got the Chargers. You've got yeah. the Buccaneers. Yeah. We have got the Chiefs, which is going to be a hard you know, game questionable and then yes. you've got the Buccaneers again so yes you've got eight games remaining yes four of them are against your own division yes in my opinion six out of those eight games are very are, is you can win those games um I agree Broncos should be able to win yes Chargers should ever yes should able to be win Most and I think I mean and so those are my six that I think that if we win we're in really good shape but I also think that you could potentially steal one from the Raiders. I think so. Because it's at home. I agree. Um, and you, I mean, could, you should be able to split that. You should be able to split the New Orleans series. Right. Because it's a right. divisional game. It's a divisional game. And, you know, and yeah. I was so this is just for those people who are at the glim, glim hope of making the playoffs, which, I mean, if you run the table, then you're in, right? You, you run the table these next eight games, you're 10 and six, but we know that's not happening, but. Um, the, the only thing, the only question I have about the Chiefs game is at what, like, that is the second to last game of the year. What is the Chiefs positioning going to be as far as their playoff outlook? Um, are they really going to be playing for something or are they really not? Because you got to remember they have a $40 million quarterback back there. And if they're in a position to not better themselves in the playoff hunt, um, he you will see? not be playing. No, I, I agree with you. 
I mean, second the last game of the season. I don't I don't really if they continue on the pace that they uh playing, I don't play I don't expect him to be playing. I think they'll be resting. You know, a lot of guys, if you they continue to only have one loss at that time when they meet the Falcons, uh I don't think they you'll see their star quarterback. Right. As a matter of fact, yeah. I don't think you see Tariq Hill, a couple of other guys, you won't see them playing either. So Right. That's the that is the only thing that has crossed my mind that late. Now, if the Chiefs, if we played the Chiefs the last game of the year, then I definitely think that we would have a chance because they'd really be sitting there, guys. So you'll just have to check and see, guys, where uh, where the Chiefs are kind of sitting in the playoff hunt. But well, um, it's, gonna, it's still going it's still going to be difficult, y'all, because you guys, you, when you're looking at the schedule, and I, I know that the the Chargers is a winnable game, the Raiders is a winnable game, at least one out, <clears throat> at least one of the Saints game is winnable. <clears throat> so right there, you got what uh, four wins, mm-hmm. um, but it gets tough at the end. So if the Chiefs do play their starting quarterback the second to last game of season, you got and and sandwich you sandwiched in between the Buccaneers twice. Mm, yeah, <laughs> who's at the top of their division? And the Saints is really close on their heels, right? Because the Saints only got two losses as well. And so more than likely, Brady's going to play in both of those games, even the last game of the season, because you don't want him to take no chance. He's going to want to play anyway. He's not going to want to sit. I just know Tom Brady. We've been watching him for 21 years now. So I think he's going to play, and it's going to be very difficult those last three games that may even talk about a playoff. Now, I'll start talking about playoff if they beat the Saints twice and they beat the Raiders and the Chargers and the Broncos. Then I will start talking about it because you only got to slip into winning one of those games against uh, the uh, Buccaneers or either uh, Kansas City <laughs> right. you know, to make the playoffs. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that's what I call running the table, definitely. Yeah. So that'd so. be five games. That'd be a five, six game. So if they just won against Carolina, that'd be a six-game win streak going into Tampa yeah. Bay. <laughs> that, that'd be it. The, It'll be interesting, you guys remember, the Buccaneers and the Saints, uh, we all play the same people. Like, the, first of all, they're playing each other this weekend. Um, then the Buccaneers, they've got to go – they've got to play the Rams. They've got to play the Chiefs. Um, they've got to play us twice. They've got to play the Vikings with Dalvin Cook. Lord knows what could happen. Yeah. Um, and then the Lions, you know. So, I mean, there's, there's some chances for them to slip up, you know. So, there is, Definitely. And especially they play like they did against the Giants, and I thought they didn't look good at all against the Giants. No. Um, so that would be interesting as well. But, all right, yeah, that was just a – I needed to get that off my chest with Tack <laughs> and then just kind of look at the outlook as far as the um, as the season. But let's move into something a little more promising um, for Atlanta fans in general. Um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the Hawks getting back. Um, and I know a lot of other people are. I thought that um, – the season, I wouldn't say it was stolen away from us, but with the issue that we had with John Collins, um, that really put a hinder into this team last year and really put Trey in a tough place and really put those young guys in a tough place, along with Coach, too, because I think that um, that really affected him, too. Yeah, that so, 25 games lost, man. And, you know, and I'm, you know, a funny thing about that, Matt, I met John Collins, too, at the um, um, auto show, the Atlanta auto show. Um, right during that time period <laughs> you know what i'm saying so yeah and he, he's a nice person i interviewed him he talked to me i told him about sports brothers of land and, and and how to go to our website how to listen to our one of our podcasts and stuff like that seemed like a really nice cool guy and he's really approachable um but 
I was really upset, <laughs> you know, when I talked to him, but I didn't let him know that about the 25 game losses. But I mean, that he, and I didn't want to bring that up about he, you know, he was out for 25 games and nothing like that. Yeah. So I wasn't going to try to upset him. <laughs> but I like, hey, I did give him some encouragement. You know, I said, I thought they had a pretty good squad and he was really good. And I, I thought their future was bright offensively. And I've been talking about him on the show a lot. He said, oh, yeah. yeah. So he was like, oh, yeah, for real. I was like, yeah. So, you know, but they really got to work on their defense. I've been talking about that for the last two years. They suck defensively in the league, but their their offense has always been tops in the league. Right. And who we're going to talk about next is going to probably help. Them. I'm thinking it's going to help our defense. Yeah. You go ahead. I, I want you to say. <laughs> Nate McMillan is coming to the Hawks. Uh, they're working out a deal as we speak, Matt. And um, for all y'all Hawks fans, and I think that's a good thing. Um, he was with the Pacers uh, for the last seven years and head coach for the last four years. And, and, and I'm from Indiana, so um, I've been, I was watching him when he was with the Pacers. He's very good defensive-minded head coach, even when he was with Portland and Seattle before the Pacers. And with the Pacers, uh, he's 183 wins and 136 losses. I know they ain't blazing, but at least he had more wins than losses in, in a brutal Eastern Conference. And bringing him as assistant coach to work with the, the team uh, from a defensive aspect, I think that's an incredibly good decision by the Hawks. Um, uh, they've been top – the Pacers have been tops in the league as him as head coach for four years. They've been in the top ten defensively. And the Hawks have been coming in like 30 and 29 <laughs> defensively. So yep. I think he'll help their defense come up a lot, you know, as assistant head coach and working with the defense, the players on defense. So I think that's yep. incredibly – Good move. He's only fifty six years old, so he's not that old. So yeah, like this so he move. got it. He, I mean, he guided the Pacers to. Uh, I mean, he was one hundred eighty three to one hundred and thirty six, which is a winning percentage of five seventy four over yes. the last four seasons that he was there. Yeah. He had four consecutive playoff bursts during the stretch. You're right. Uh, I mean, that's it's it's pretty good. Um, I I I love this decision. I think this is the only thing that um that the that the Hawks could really use. Um, with this young core is developing, you know, the defensive side of the ball um, and on the court because it's just, I mean, you see the, I mean, you can see the Hawks. They put up, they'll put up 120 to 140 every yeah. night. You know, yeah. it's just you've got to, you've got to get stopped. I, the thing about the defense in the NBA is not so much about playing consistent defense. You've got to get defense when it matters, when you need to stop yeah. on the other side of the court. You know, you got to you know, get stops. You're, you're, yeah, you're gaining momentum and you're clawing back from a 10 point lead. You get it back to, you know, two to three points. And all of a sudden that defense just make, or that offense just makes a run on you and you're back down 10. I think I saw that happen with the Hawks more than I've seen with any other NBA team is they get back into these games so close. And then somebody goes on a 10 0 run and they're back to where they started. Right. And, and the other thing I like it, uh, like about this, this move is with, with Nate, uh, helping the players with defense. We got the defensive player. We got defensive players. We drafted play young players who are very good at defense. They just need some fine-tuning, you know, and learn how to get stops and learn how to um, be consistent defensively. That's all they need to, need to do. And I think Nate's going to help them with that, with these guys, with that definitely. I, I believe that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree too. And I, I think this is, a, this is a very important draft as well. Um, for the Hawks, just to add a couple more pieces, um, so I we'll have to see. I, there's no clear, 
no clear runners in my head to to where they'll go with. Um, but you, you've got such a, I mean, you've got such a talented group already with Trey and John and, um, you know, the two young guys in DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish that I don't, I don't know what exactly we need. Um, but it, it's just, it's a couple pieces here and there that's, that could really, really turn this thing around because also, I mean, Kevin Herter is my opinion could be, um, in the same position of, Kyle Korver, kind of when they made, you know, when the Hawks made that playoff run a while ago with well, MT you, and Horford and all them. Well, you're looking on you the know. same thing I'm looking at, Matt. Look at yeah. that. But let, let me let me put it this way, Matt. For all y'all Hawks fans out here, every I, I listen to. Uh, I'm on social media all day, every day too. So I'm looking at people's comments and stuff about the Hawks. Well, we need to trade this player. We need to trade this player, and we need to get some be- uh, some free agents in here who are veterans. No, man. They've been having a plan from the beginning with the new owner. They've been building through the draft, just like Boston built through the draft. I think they need to let these get time to these players to develop and gel together. Collins, no, I wouldn't trade Collins. No, because he plays more on the outside. He's a perimeter player. And so why would you want to get him? They brought in a rim protector and, and Capella. Let's see what Capella can do. Capella has yet to put on a uniform, Matt. So give him a chance to come in here and be a rim protector and a shot blocker. And he can score some too also as well, you know, and get some rebounds. So those two, let's see how him and Collins work together down there in the low post and see if they work that, have to build some chemistry down there. And you've got the defensive players. you got Cam Reddish and you got DeAndre Hunter, who are very good defensive players. Let's see what Nate Nate McMillan can do with these guys on the perimeter defense. And you got Kevin Herter. He's a very, I watched it. I went to a lot of games. So I think he'd be a very good three point shooter. And I think he can get better at three point shooter and be more consistent at it. And he could be the marksman on the team, just like you brought up uh, by some other players, uh, veteran players. I think he can be that, that person. Um, and you got the best point guard in the league, in my opinion. A lot of people don't give him credit outside of Atlanta. You know, <laughs> really to me, he's still one of the top players in the league and a lot of people don't put him up there in the top five or even the top 10 while I'd be looking at people's list uh, for players last year uh, or the year before that. So I think he's up yeah. there. Um, I don't know where Teague's is going to go because I think he's a free agent, I believe, but um, I wish they could have kept him at, at signing back on. Um, and then you got Brimbry. I want to see what Brimbry does. You know, he just got to the team too. I want to see what he's going to do and what he's going to bring to the chemistry of the team, but just give these time, these guys time to develop. And I want to see, uh, and you got some other good centers on the team. Uh, Demond, I mean, he's, he's pretty good. We'll see what he does in the backup role. Uh, but I like what they got now and they're going to get a top draft pick, Matt. So they're going to get a top draft pick. they can either keep them or trade them for another veteran. But if you think about it, if you bring another veteran player in there, he might mess up the chemistry on his young team. Mm, yeah. I mean, guys, they have the sixth, they have the sixth overall pick, you know? Yeah. They got, they got, they got some pretty good names up there. Yeah. But to go back on the thing you talked about with Trey Young and in my opinion too, he's the best point guard in the league. And I think people inside of the NBA and I, I'm talking about players and coaches and stuff like that. I think they believe that as well. I think that just the overall hype and you know how the markets dominate the media and, you know, big name players are going to be the best point guards in the league and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. But I, I truly think players in the NBA and the coaches in the NBA would all agree that he by far 
is the toughest guy to slow down as far as the point guard position because when he gets hot and he gets on a roll, he does he does things that I I don't care I don't care who you're talking about. He's done things that I have never seen before. Yeah. Um, so I agree with that. And and going off that, that makes a really interesting point of um, who can the Hawks attract big name wise to finally get themselves in a serious contention. And you, I mean, who who would not want to play with Trey Young? Who would not want to play with John Collins and these young guys if they can prove themselves this year and get just just get in the playoffs this year? I think that net come next year that Trey Young and this team could attract a very very big name. They that, will that you don't. I don't even have to say his name, and everybody knows who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so man. It, that's the only thing I'm thinking. Off the top of my head, that's the only thing I could think of because he, in my opinion, is a very attractive piece um, for, you know, Trey is that a lot of guys I think could could want to play with, you know? I mean, let's be – don't get me wrong, Matt, and, and fans out here, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they shouldn't trade for a veteran player or try to get a veteran player here. But, you know, if you're going to get a veteran player in here, somebody, don't – I look at one player in mind, Anthony Davis. I think he'll fit in great here, you know. So somebody like that or, or the Greek Greek that might work. Uh, yep. Player like that's who I that's who I was referring to. <laughs> the Greek Freak or Anthony Davis, somebody like that. But we know Anthony Davis not leaving the Lakers. But so the Greek Freak, I think that'd be the best move for them. I, if you're gonna get a veteran player in here, I think he'll make them better, and he won't mess up the chemistry. I'm just afraid to. Somebody other than the, the them two players, I mean, they're gonna mess up the chemistry. You don't want nobody. A per, they got enough perimeter players, Matt. They got plenty of perimeter players, so they need somebody who can play down low and who can play in and out. You yeah. know, somebody like that. And I still wouldn't give up Collins for him, yeah, yeah. especially if he's a free agent. I do free agents, but trades? No, I'm, I don't need no trades right now. I do free agents. <laughs> you yeah. know, who can help yeah. the team? That's about it. I agree. I don't. I don't want to lose any of the pieces on this team. I don't either. Uh, that we've got going because I, I until you see they a, can play well together, and you got to give teams at least three to four years to play together and to build some chemistry. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who, how many people watch the Hawks because yeah, they're going. They've been through a rebuild, and it's been tough to watch at times. But yeah, man, if you turn on the TV and you see a game that they're clicking and they're rolling in, I mean, the basketball that they're playing and can compete against any of these teams if they can figure it out. Because there's been games where they've put it all together, and this team, that offense is damn near impossible. You just said it, Matt. You just said earlier, man, you watched them put up 120, 130, even 140 points, Matt, in games. Yeah, yeah, easily. I mean, guys, you see Drake. I mean, Trey drops 40 bombs on on, on teams consistently at least once a week. Yeah. You know? If not more, and you know, if you if you can get the biggest thing to me and is Cam Reddish, yeah, um, yeah. Towards the end, before all of the stuff happened and the, the season was shut down, those last ten games that he was playing, he was looking really good. He really he was comfortable. He sure was, boy. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. If you <laughs> if you can get him playing at that level, and then get DeAndre Hunter to play to that level that we know he can. Um, I mean, this this is the team to watch out for, if, especially if they add a big piece. Yep, you, you said it right because Cam Reddish started playing better than DeAndre Hunter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, oh, 
oh, wow, he started coming to his own. He's really feeling. I'm like, man, this is what DeAndre Hunter supposed to be doing also as well. But it seemed like Cam Rush is starting to pass him up <laughs> and get more yeah. comfortable with the offense and the defense. I'm like, well, if we can get DeAndre Hunter to play like this as well, hey, man, we're going to be a beast. Mm-hmm. Forced to be like quick. And, and I know, I remember, I mean, look, the – the last time that the Hawks were in the playoffs, it, it was a very unfortunate thing that happened when they ran into LeBron. But I'm telling you, that season, man, I went to so many games, and I have never had so much fun watching basketball. I mean, the, the atmosphere inside that place and the team that they had, and, you know, the whole place went berserk when the ball was past the Kyle Korver because you knew the ball was just going in. Um, and so that's where, that's where the herder thing comes to, kind of comes into play with me is that if he can kind of replicate that on the offense – um, cause Kyle was huge, man. When that team was rolling, he was huge to get that team hot. And if Kevin can get hot and go on streaks like that, cause he's a good shooter. I think that he's kind of replicating that role really well, which seemed to work out for the Hawks back then. Okay. Let, let's look at this, Matt, uh, for you and you and the fans. Let's look at this. The last game the Hawks played was, um, March 11th, right before COVID. They shut down for COVID. They lost the game, but they went to overtime with the Knicks, 136 to 131. And Trey Young had 42 points, 11 assists, and two rebounds in that game. Man, yeah. those those guys were playing phenomenal ball that game, man. I mean, they was really spectacular. And even that game on March 11th, DeAndre Hunter had 15.6 rebounds and one assist that game. Mm. And he had a, yeah. he had he he started to come on in that game, and and, and I liked it as. And he played very well in that game. And then uh, also Cam Reddish had 11.6 rebounds in that game. And the game before that, Matt, before the shutdown, he had 22 points, Cam Reddish did. And then two games yeah. before that, he had 28. So what you were talking about, and then he then he had 26. He had games of 22, 28, 26 in and, and the yeah. last 10 games. So he was really starting to pour it on, man. And John Collins was starting to come into his own also as well. You know, yeah. <laughs> he had he was the he was that he was the X factor on that Duke team as well when he was in college. And I think he was he was slept on because of I mean, you got to understand he had Barrett there and he had Zion, you know, so he was he was number three pretty much on that court. And, you know, he came over here and I think that he kind of wanted to fall in that little shell that he was in at Duke and never really had the chance to perform. But I mean, you listen to all the NBA guys talk about scouting and stuff like that. They thought that he could damn well have been the best player on that Duke team. Yes, I think so, too. And, and there was talks about it. I heard the whispers, uh, Matt, about Cameron. I said, really? Oh, really? The best player on that team, that Duke team as freshmen? Yeah, I heard it. But, you know, he got to remember, he's a five-star player coming out of high school. So, you know, yeah. it was almost like having a 5-5 five, five again, you know, with Duke yeah. instead, instead of Michigan. But, you know, people like even John – let's go back to John Collins, the last 10 games of the season. And you could tell those 25 games that he missed due to steroids, was, it was very hurtful to the team. And that kind of stopped him from making it. Uh, to the bubble as well, yeah. make it to the bubble. Yeah. It's, look, at this, look at this number over yeah. the last 10 games, 22 and 15, 28 and 11, 27 and 8, 26 and 10, 24 and 10, 33 and 13, 35 and 17, <laughs> 32 and 16, 30 and 10, 27 and 12. Are you kidding me, man? Those are John Collins' numbers. Man, if they, win, if they win half of those games, <laughs> like so say he wasn't suspended and they win half those games that he's playing in, they're in the bubble. They would have been in the bubble. Because they would have been – I think that almost puts them at – because I can't remember how many games they were down, but that at least puts them in the eighth spot, if not the seventh spot. 
you know, if they win half those games that he's in. Yeah. You know, and you got so. you got fans and you got people fans talk about trade him for a veteran. Why the dude is only in his no. fifth year, what fourth year in the league? No. He was after twenty one and ten, and he shoot almost sixty percent from the field. Is you serious? Why you don't trade a player That's, like that at twenty three years old? Come on, man, get out of here. Yeah, I I agree, but I'm I'm excited for Hawks, man. I think this year could be really good for him. Yeah. Um, and I hope I hope they get a little bit more exposure because I think that I think NBA is slowly starting to realize, especially with Trey Young, he's becoming a big name in the NBA, and you know how the TV markets work with big names and stuff like that. So um, hopefully, hopefully we can get a little bit more exposure. Okay, well, the last thing I want to talk about, guys, we I know we got a lot of Georgia fans on here. Yep, um, you poor souls, Florida. Um, Florida. So big big game against Florida this week, guys, and. Um, you know, I've been listening. I've been listening to people talk about this game and um, kind of what to expect. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest, I don't. I don't know what to expect. The biggest question mark, and I know he's the biggest question mark for anybody that's looking at this game, is going to be Stetson Bennett, who's quarterback of this team for Georgia. Um, I know what the defense is capable of. I know what the running game is capable of. Um, but you guys have been in this. I mean, Georgia fans have been in the same boat for the past four years now, and that's you cannot have a quarterback um, that is subpar or average take you to a national championship it's just not going to happen unfortunately um (laughs) and you know you've been to one and you let it slip away against alabama but guys i mean i saw i saw that coming at halftime um i knew that was coming to halftime i knew they were making the switch with tua so ever since that point right there um the quarterback play has just been really mediocre and that's not going to get you a championship in today's football okay let's get to this let's talk about this game i'm glad we're talking about this Last year on our show, I'm, I'm looking back on our show, and I talked about Florida a lot. Uh, Matt, I, I don't know if you remember. I always thought they was ranked higher than they, what they should have been. Yeah, correct. I agree. Okay. This year, I'm still saying the same thing. And definitely for this year, I still think they rank higher than what they should be, and especially during a pandemic year. And you got a lot of you got a lot of teams that's not in the rankings. They ain't even barely played any games yet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm saying? So – you really – it's really – this year is really off. That's why I don't believe they should have no playoffs. But Florida, what they're doing right now, I've been watching them play. They're doing pretty decent ball, balling. But against Georgia this weekend, I'm not too confident on Georgia's rookie quarterback, man, Matt. I just don't feel him like that. I think they picked the wrong quarterback to start. As a matter of fact, I think they've been picking the wrong quarterback for a while now. I wouldn't hire him from either. So and I and I was kind of upset they got rid of you already know who they got rid of my dude man now he's at Ohio State now man and I don't really think they yep. should have got rid of him Justin Fields I really think think they should have I think they should have kept him and, and worked the offense around him but they never did want to they don't want to change the offense so Fields really didn't fit their offensive scheme it fit from and I think it sucked and 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 they really played their way out of a championship uh, team. Uh, a few times and so really to me I think that Florida got a winnable game especially playing in Jacksonville this weekend so I really think it's a winnable game for Florida and I'm not listen Bulldogs fans I'm not really high on on Florida but hey right now I think they're in better position than Georgia is yeah man I mean Let's just – I'm looking at the stats right now with Stetson Bennett, and I'll, I'll run you through okay. kind of what, what he's done. Um, the best game, in my opinion, that he had was leading the team back against Arkansas to start out mm-hmm. um, the year, 20 of 29, 
um, two touchdowns, 211 yards. That's 69% passing completing rate. Um, that was pretty good. Okay. But that's some hope. That's hope there. Here's here's the problem I have, man. And you cannot throw this out the window. Okay. Alabama. Hey. 18, 18 of 40. Dang, that's the That's a 45% completion rate. Oh, that's rate. horrible. Three interceptions. Dang. That's, that's horrible. Okay. He did throw two touchdowns, but I, I would hope so when you throw the ball 40 times. Um, and then this last game, Kentucky, Georgia fans, I look, I, I, have, I have no room to talk, okay? I had my room to talk last year. <laughs> I have no room to talk this year. But okay. nine – Nine of 13, two interceptions, no touchdowns thrown, 131 yards. Nine for 13, two interceptions. 69%. That's uh, 69% rate. That's, six, that's 69% rate. Yeah, it is. But he threw the ball 13 times. Man, it looked like nine completions. Well, that looked like two picks. That, that reminds me of a from to me. That's, <laughs> that's tough, guys. That's really tough, and I—I I mean, I don't—I don't know how you expect to win a game against this Florida team with those past two games that he's had. He's thrown five interceptions the past two games. Well, the only promising spot they had is White at the rushing. He had 136 yards rushing on 26 carries, and he averaged 5.2 yards a game. That game White did is running. So yeah, I—I—I I, I, I don't know, man. I. I haven't. I haven't. I mean, I'm not huge on Florida either. Just like, just like Rose said, guys. But I mean, I I don't know how you can. I don't know how you can count on this guy as a quarterback. I, I can't. Uh, I can't. I have a heart attack watching that game. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. I mean, I. And and this is the same problem that they had every year. Oh well, our defense is really good, and we can run the football. Man, we've seen that play out. We've seen it play out for the last three years. It, that doesn't win you. That doesn't win you a big game. It doesn't win you a championship. I think. I know? think Kirby Smart and his system that he's got going on. He, I, I think I know where he's going with this. He thinks that he comes from Alabama. He's a product of Alabama. Everybody knows that. I think he's trying to establish his his system as a run first team and pass second team. And he wants to establish a run because a lot of his running backs make it to the pros and they do well. Um, and the quarterbacks, we all know, it don't matter what quarterback you get if your team is run first and pass second. So you can put anybody, plug anybody in that because that's his system. Running the ball, stop the clock or slows down the clock or whatever you want to call it. And so they try to beat teams up defensively and slow the game down and rush the ball, run the ball. You can see that with White, 26 rushing yards, 136 yards. He's trying to slow it down. He knows he has a weak quarterback, and they can't seem to get the right recruits at quarterback position into that program, especially you're not going to want to get a lot of quarterbacks to go there where you got to run first, pass, second uh, mindset and system you got going on. And they watch, they watch the they game watch and they see how this offense is Yeah, they do. not well. And then it made it worse for him is when Fields decided to leave. <laughs> he wanted to request yeah. a transfer. Oh, wow. That just messed you all up for recruits, high school recruits. Now your top quarterbacks definitely ain't going to go there now. Oh, okay. And they've got, they've got one guy sitting over there. His name is JT Daniels. He's a transfer from USC. Yeah. Um, the talk of the town is where, what's, what's going on with him? Like what? What's the issue here? Why is he not playing? Is he not a hundred percent? But I mean, hell, you got to give him a chance. You got to. 
at this point, you, you ran you ran Dewan Mathis out there, and that didn't work. I understand that he looked he looked more lost than Stephen Bennett did. But um, you got to give somebody else a chance. I agree. I mean, I, I agree, and I just don't I don't like Stan, I don't like I don't like ben, Bennett. Uh, his percentages every game they suck, and these numbers look just like from all the years that he was with them too. Same percentages. Yeah, I mean, you look at. Guys, you look at the top three teams that have consistently been in the college football playoff. I'll give you the quarterbacks right now. Mac Jones, Alabama, he's lighting it up. He's, in my opinion, he's the, he's the front runner for the Heisman. Trevor Lawrence, okay, he's battling COVID right now, but he is an elite quarterback. He's the talk of the town. He's going to be the number one pick if he comes out this year. And Justin Fields, he's going to be the second quarterback taken in the draft this year if he decides to come out, which I think he will. And, um, I mean – those are all elite quarterbacks. Guys. Look, look, look at that. The Matt, Matt, the guys that you name, they pass for over 300 yards every game, and their percentage is way higher than their percentage is close to 100. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they can, they are freely throwing the football and doing well. And they're still got a running game. <laughs> they let, they let, they let Stetson attempt to do that against Alabama, and he went 18 for 40 with three interceptions. That's horrible. So. You can't do that if you're playing those teams. Because guess what, guys? If if you beat Florida and you make it to the SEC championship, yeah. you're playing Alabama again. Yeah, you're playing them again. So I, I mean, 18 for 40 with three interceptions is not a good way to start. And you know Alabama's just looking their chops again. So. Well, they're gonna have the same old game plan. They're gonna try to run it down Alabama's throats and try to slow the game down. That's the same old tired game plan. Is not gonna work. Yeah, I mean, I get that, man. It's just it. At what time? It's just a repeating tape. When is it going to stop? You know, um, with this Georgia football team. But um, I don't know. Uh, you want to give me a prediction for the game? Yeah, I'll give you a prediction. Twenty-eight, right. twenty-one. Florida. Okay. Florida. Okay. That's interesting. I. Uh, <laughs> I. I. I don't know. I don't. I don't even know what to pick, man. This is um, – I, I think I'm going to go – if nothing – if no changes are made with this Georgia offense and they don't come out with something completely different, I think I think Florida wins this game. So, I'll go with – I'll go Florida – I'll go Florida 30, Georgia 21. I just don't see Smart making no big adjustments in this game, man. He's got to come with something. He's got to go outside the box, man, thinking-wise. He's going to have to go outside the box to get to a championship, man. He's just going to have to go outside the box. I think he's content and comfortable just being in the top two, three, four, five every year. He's just comfortable with that. And and it's it's cool if we just make the SEC championship every once in a while, and, and that's cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But that'll be an interesting game to watch. For sure, it will be definitely. And then, like I said, I'm not a Florida man. I'm not high on Florida because every year I think they got them ranked higher than what they should be. But hey, <laughs> what can I say? Yeah. yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, that'll wrap it up for this for this edition of Sports Brother Atlanta. We're glad that you uh, get you're hanging out with us for the past four or five minutes or so. Um, I'll let Ro read off all of the. All of the important stuff, the housekeeping things we got to take care of. So. Okay. We're on, go to sportsbrothersatlanta.com. We're on that platform. That's our website. 
We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all under Sports Brothers Atlanta, uh, all those platforms. And our sponsors, we look out for them. We got uh, we got the Tree Doctors out here as one of our sponsors. We got Gymnast Cuts as one of our sponsors. Um, so look to our sponsors. Our sponsors are on our website also as well. Um, we're on every platform that you can think of. We're on um, anchorfm.com. So look for us on there also as well. For sure. So, all right, guys. Well, we appreciate it. We hope you enjoy um, a, a good weekend of football.